everything. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, reads as follows. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Let's pray before we get into today's message. Dear God, thank you for your word, the Bible, that we have your word, the Bible, to study and learn from, to edify our lives. Be with us now as we look into your word. Be with this congregation, whether they be here or elsewhere, that your word may touch their heart and infect their lives. And be with me as I do my best to share your message, God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're going to look at the topic of change. Change, right? And if any word symbolizes 2020 any better, it is the word change, right? 2220 is the year of change, and we can observe that everything is changing, right? Anyone who says that my life has not changed in the year 2020, they are liars, right? They're not telling the truth. It is totally false, right? Think of your life one year ago. How different was it, right? One year ago, I don't think I owned any of these uh, face masks, right? Now I own over 100, right? You know, over, over one year ago, you know, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't live my life the same way. I went in the office every single day. I hated working at home. Now, of course, there hasn't been the day in the last six months, maybe only one day in the last six months, that I've been in the office, right? There's a lot of other stuff going on. I'm sure you can imagine. If your kids went to school one year ago, they went to school like normal, as it has been for years and years and decades and decades. Now, of course, you guys know, school's now at home, right? You're online in front of a computer. Everything is not the same. Everything is changing. But, but we know this already, that it's always true that there is change. It's not fair to say that things never change. In fact, there's an old saying, an old quote, which is the only constant in life is change, right? That everything always changes. Even though we say, oh, everything is changed in 2020, you just think back five years ago to 2015, let's say, and think about how much your life has changed since then. There's probably been, maybe not as radical in terms of uh, your daily life, but you could say, oh, things are different. It's not exactly the same. I'm not doing exactly the same things. I'm not living exactly the same life, right? Maybe your car's changed, right? Your clothes have changed. Your haircut has changed. Whatever it is, no one is static. We can't say we're completely static that, oh, from year after year, day after day, nothing changes. And for the Christian, a change is a fundamental part of our life, right? The idea being that if you're a Christian, the very first thing we do is change. We read in the verse right here, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, right? If any man be in Christ, what happens? He becomes a new creature, a new creature, right? Everything about him, right, is passed away. The old things are passed away. And everything after that is new. That's change. Isn't it right that when you get saved, the Bible says you are supposed to change. You're not supposed to be the same person you were before. It's different. What are we saying? What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought. 
since Jesus came into my heart, right? We sing all these other songs about that too, right? When you've decided to follow Jesus, what does it say? No turning back, no turning back. Being a Christian means change. That's the most fundamental part of being a Christian, right? That once we get saved, it's not supposed to be the same, right? People ask, how can I be sure of my salvation, right? The Bible says, ye shall know them by their fruits, right? You look at the fruits of their labors. How do they live their lives? I will dare a guess, right? The person that after they say the salvation prayer and starts living the good Christian life, right? That goes to church and worships God and prays and reads their Bible and gets people saved. I would dare say it's pretty obvious that just observing those changes, we know that person is saved, right? So again, change is a fundamental part of the Christian life. The person that doesn't change, right, that says, oh, I said the salvation prayer, let me continue to go on and get drunk every night and lie and steal and cheat. They haven't had that changing experience, I would guess. Can't say for certain, of course, right? No one knows your heart but Jesus and God. But that would be as a stereotype. Change is important. Change is important. You see, though, Change can be good or bad. Change can be good or bad. We know this even from the non-Christian life, right? Like I said, look at 2020. Look at all the changes that we've had. Some of them be very, very bad, right? We gave some examples already. I think the most obvious change is that a lot of people died, right? We'd say that's definitely a bad thing. It's not a good thing that the years before, there weren't 200,000 people in the United States that died of coronavirus, right? Pretty bad change, right? And we mentioned some of the other things that changed that I don't like, right? I don't like how the schools have changed, right? I don't like how my work has changed. Obviously, we don't like how even our worship here has changed, right? That you guys got to sit like this now, right? And we can't have a packed auditorium and a Chinese school bustling with kids or whatever. I definitely say those are bad changes of this year. But just like anything, there's good changes too, right? And there's a lot, and even in year 2020, which we say is horrible and bad and all these things, there have definitely been things that we would say, hey, maybe they are good things, right? Good things, right? Like maybe all these things that have happened have increased our awareness of public health, right? Things that we might not have cared about before, now we care about, right? Like for example, myself. I was never super cautious about things like, oh, washing my hands, right? You know, you hear about that. Oh, you learn in kindergarten. Wash your hands before you eat or whatever, right? But when you give me an adult, sometimes you're lazy or you don't care. You think you're an adult. Oh, I don't wash my hands. Well, now I can say I am much more vigilant than I am before about washing my hands. I have learned a lesson during 2020. I'd say that's probably a good thing, right? That's probably good for my health that I wash my hands uh, all the time now, right? A lot more cleanly than I used to, right? And there's other things that people do that they're a lot more mindful of and cognizant of, right? We can say that I didn't uh, like, uh, like I said, like working at home before. But I learned a lot about working at home now, right? I learned how to use all these computer things I didn't know how to use before, right? Like teleconferencing and Zoom and all these things, which I'm sure you guys in your work are using too, right? That, hey, you guys have expanded a lot of knowledge. You guys know a lot more different things now because of that. So it's not to say that nothing good hasn't come out of all this change. No, change can be good. Change can be bad, right? Likewise, the changes for the church can be good. Changes for the church can be bad. 
While we say that when we're Christians, the first thing we do is change, we want to say this very clearly, very clearly at first. Our beliefs aren't supposed to change, right? Our beliefs aren't supposed to change. You get saved, you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross to take away your sins. That never changes. That's always true. That's always the fact, right? When you go and read your Bible and it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, that never changes. That's true. That's a fact. It never changes. Our doctrine doesn't change, right? We don't want to say, oh, changing our beliefs. Sadly, as we know, there are some churches out there, or so-called churches, maybe we can call them, that say we do want to compromise our beliefs and change things, right? Some of them turn into cults, right? Where they say, oh, we're going to take Jesus and we're going to add a bunch of stuff to it, right? Like they did in the Catholic Church or the Mormon Church, right? To say, oh, we're going to add a bunch of other stuff to it. Change, 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 change. Well, in that circumstance, change is pretty bad, right? Even on small-scale stuff today, we see churches say, look, look at things in the Bible they see they don't like and say, we're going to change. Oh, the Bible says all these bad things about, for example, homosexuality, right? Well, nowadays, that's not uh, politically correct, so we have to change, change. No, 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 no. When it comes to beliefs, we don't want to change. We don't want to change doctrine. We don't change the Bible. One of the reasons I love the King James Bible. Why do I like it? Because it doesn't change, right? Is it the same King James Bible as it was in 1611? The answer is yes. That's not true of any other Bible version, which you can say they've changed, right? It's not the same, right? You're looking at something different. That means if you looked at your NIV Bible of today and you looked at a Bible in the year 1700, is it the same? No, it's different. It is changed, right? So we don't want to change the Bible. We don't want to change the Word of God. But, but do we change the way we live out our beliefs? Do we change the way we live as Christians? Of course, the answer to that is yes, right? It's not true that we live the same life at church as they did way back in Paul's day when he wrote 2 Corinthians, right? That would be ridiculous, right? If we did church today the same way Paul did in the first century, probably no one would show up, right? People would be like, what are you doing? This is totally weird. This is totally different, right? We're not used to this practice. We know that the practices of the church do, in fact, change, right? It's different. Changing with the times, right? And we know even at Chinese Bible Church, things change, right? The ministries we've had over the years, they change, right? Oh, we started have we first have day camp. <coughs> then it changed to math camp, right? Oh, we didn't have Chinese school before. Now we have Chinese school, right? We evolve, we change. We think about how do we outreach to more people? How do we help more people learn more about God? That's the way a church should be thinking, right? <coughs> if your church tells me, oh, we have not changed anything over the years. We do exactly the same thing. I look at that and I say, maybe that's a problem. Right? Like I knew a friend that said, oh, she went to this church, and this church had four people. Four. And they've been like that for years and years. That's all it is. It's four people, they meet in the house, and that is their church. <coughs> now, of course, I don't say this to her face or anything, but I thought, you know, in my own mind, like, maybe that church needs to change something. It seems like they're kind of static, stuck, right? Shouldn't the numbers, they go up and down, or things, they're different, or whatever, right? That's the way a church ought to be, Right? We know here we try to have new people whenever it can be, right? Whatever it is to have change, differences. That's the way God wants it, right? 
That's the way we ought to focus on when we talk about good change, change for the better. Now, of course, change is not easy, especially when we talk about you, me, as a Christian. And it starts with the individual. It starts with the individual. It starts with ourselves. Right? We hear this every year when we get around New Year's, right? People do stuff like New Year's resolutions, right? People say, I want to change. I want to lose weight. I want to quit smoking. They say whatever they say, right? But the truth is that no one can force you to change, right? When people say that and do that, whether they succeed or fail, the biggest determinant of that is the person themselves. They say they want to lose weight. The biggest test is, oh, can that person themselves have the discipline, the dedication to do that? A lot of people do this, and you see this every year, right? What happens every year, New Year's? A lot of people buy gym memberships, right? They think, oh, I bought the gym membership. That equals I will lose weight, right? Or I subscribe to Weight Watchers now, right? In January, every year you can see the Weight Watchers subscription. They go through the roof, right? Everyone thinks this is a secret. I buy this thing, therefore I will lose weight. And what happens? People buy the gym membership, they buy the Weight Watchers, they buy the whatever. They don't do it, and they don't lose any weight, right? Who are the people that actually lose weight? The ones that say, I'm buying the gym membership, and they actually go to the gym, right? They actually do something about it. They're dedicated to it. They're focused on it. That's the way change is effectuated in the lives of people and in the lives of Christians. Change isn't always a radical thing. We'll use that example again about dieting and exercise and all that stuff. The people that actually lose weight are not the people that say, okay, I bought the gym in January, now I'm going to exercise for five hours a day, right? I'm doing this five hours a day for every single day, and I'll lose weight. What happens to those people? They do that for a week, and then they give up. Oh, it's too tiring. Oh, I did this for a week. I exercised five hours a day. I might have lost some weight, and I give up, right? We see this example if you guys ever watch those extreme weight loss shows, right? like Biggest Loser or Extreme Makeover, those people say, I lost hundreds of pounds on the show, right? And what happens when you follow these guys like three years later? What happened? They gained all their weight back. Why is that? Because, well, now they don't have a, a personal trainer staring at them every day. They don't have TV cameras following them, watching every food they eat, right? They slip back into their old habits. The extreme measures did not work. Too radical, too extreme doesn't work. We know that what works is, if you listen to your doctors for stuff like dieting, oh, they say like, oh, you change your life a little, you improve the way you eat, you start exercising just a little a day, right? That's reality, right? That's the real way people do lose weight, not through extreme weight loss. Oh, I starve myself for one week, I don't eat for one week, and I lose all this weight, weight, and then next week I eat everything and gain it all back, right? That's the way change works. So for a Christian, people tell me this all the time. They ask me, as a Christian, one of my goals is to grow, right? If we would have New Year's resolution, I'm I want to be a growing Christian, right? Well, if you want to be a growing Christian, I tell you this. What do you need to do? You need to change, right? Growth means this, right? If you know anything about plants and anything, when growth, you start off with the seed. What happens to the seed? It does not stay a seed forever. What happens? It grows into a plant, right? And then it grows leaves and it grows bigger, and then there's a flower, right? That plant is always changing. The second that plant stops changing, what does that mean? It means it's dead, right? That's the only way the plant would not change, right? Otherwise, it'll keep growing. It might get bigger and smaller, right? It might get uh, leaves that fall off and grow again or whatever, but it's constantly growing. 
and changing. So for the Christian, it's the same thing. If you say, I want to be a growing Christian, by definition, you have to look at your life and say, how can I change? If you are a Christian and you say, my Christian walk has not changed at all over these past whatever years. I do exactly the same thing that I've been doing for years and years and years. I will tell you this. It's very likely that you are not growing as a Christian, that you are static as a Christian. Now, once again, once again, change is not always indicative of growth, right? You can always have change for the worse, right? You could say, I go to church now, and then now I do not go to church anymore, right? That'd be a change for the worse, right? And there's some people that believe in radical change. And same thing, I'll say the same thing, as I said about weight loss, as I say about change for Christians. A lot of times when we see radical change, that's often a sign of Christian immaturity, right? The people that say, oh, I don't read the Bible. Now, all of a sudden, I'm on fire. I'm going to read 20 Bible chapters a day, and I'm going to read and read and read nonstop. Well, those are the same people that might get burned out, right? To say that, oh, now I've done this, and now I'm sick of reading 20 chapters a day. Now I go down to reading zero, right? Just like the weight loss people, you don't do it all at once. You don't do it crazily. It's about an evolution growing and changing. The same way a plant doesn't grow from a seed into a huge tree in one day. It's a slow thing that is a gradual improvement. So what we ought to do is evaluate our life and see what changes we need to make, right? Changes to make sure that we're on that right path. Changes to make sure that we are growing and doing what we need to do to grow. And I think the pandemic has given us a good chance to sit down and evaluate and think about our lives, it's given us kind of a break from all the hustle and bustle of everything. So I'm going to go through a few things here and talk about my own life a little bit to see, to inspire you guys to sit down and look at your life and see, do I need to make a change? Is what I'm doing right? Is what I'm doing what a growing Christian should be, a growing, changing, evolving Christian? Let's look at a few things. The basics. We'll look at the very few basics, right? Talk about prayer, right? How consistent is your prayer life? Does it need to change? How much time do you spend in time with prayer with God every single day, right? Right now, we've got the pandemic going, and a lot of you guys have your lives thrown upside down and changed, right? For some people, for some people, the change has been, can't do anything anymore, right? Maybe your work is gone now, right? Or maybe your work is reduced, or maybe you don't have to commute anymore, right? Whatever it is, your work has changed a lot, right? And you can't go out with your friends anymore. You can't go out and do the things you used to do. You hear people like uh, Nathan talking about it, and you heard it in his message. How he's got a lot more time right now. If you're one of those people, you got to evaluate your life and think about this. How am I using that time? Am I using this time productively for God? And we hear about Nathan and his message. What did he say now? He said it this morning, right? What does he do? He goes for a long walk, right? And what does he do at that, lo- that time, do the long walk? He could do stuff like pray. That would be an example of a wise change, wouldn't it be? Right? That's not an extreme change, not a wild change, right? But it's something additional, right? We've got to say, we are do- can we say we're doing additional stuff, right? If you say, oh, I pray one minute a day, right? That was the Nathan standard way back when, when I was in high school. And now that I'm an adult, I still pray one minute a day, and that's still my standard forever. You gotta evaluate your life and say, is that right? Have you grown any as a Christian if that's your standard? I just do the same thing. 
maybe not, right? I look at my own life. I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum from Nathan, right? Now that everything is at home, my life is crazy, right? I have no time. I have to take care of my kids and, you know, and their schoolwork, right? I can do my own work and try to squeeze in, you know, doing all the work I need to do at work or whatever. Then I got to manage the house and clean the house and do this, that, and the other thing. I have no time for anything anymore, right? I used to say, oh, I watch a lot of TV. In the past six months, I barely watch any TV. I just literally have no time. And what happened at the start of this whole pandemic thing? I'll tell you the truth. I'll be honest with you. My prayer life went down the tubes. It decreased because my pattern was ruined. Before you had a pattern. Oh, every day. You do the same thing in the morning. You go to work, you do this and that, and there's like a time. Oh, you pray during this time, whatever. Then everything got messed up, right? And then I realized during this, I had to reevaluate and say, you know what? Just like I had to reevaluate and say, I don't have time to watch TV anymore, right? I, I had to reevaluate and say, hey, am I doing the important stuff, the key thing, the important thing? And I realized I have to set aside time to pray. I have to make it happen, even though I am busy. I have to change. And so I had to change and go back and pray more. And I realized more and more as this thing dragged on how important it is to pray, right? To pray about, hey, all these things, all these stresses. And to pray about, hopefully, all these things ending, right? I was encouraged to hear that I'm not the only person that reevaluated their lives. Some of you guys know that there's a bunch of, like, uh, ladies that they started their own prayer group every Saturday. You know, that's impressive to me, that they evaluated their lives and say, what, we've got this pandemic, we've got a problem, our solution is we're going to pray more. Isn't that the answer? It can never be the wrong answer, right? To say, I need to pray more, right? They prayed more. That's encouraging. Look at your life. Are you praying less or are you praying more? We need this fundamental thing. If we don't communicate with God, how can we say we have a relationship with him, a growing, evolving relationship with God? We can't. It's just like you can't say you have a relationship with your husband and wife when you say we never talk, right? That makes no sense. You can never say, oh, we're married, but I never talk to you, right? How do you ever know anything, right? That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. You've got to have communication. Likewise, we've got to have communication with God. We've got to have prayer with God. We've got to have more communication with God. So we've got to evaluate our lives and see where can we fit that in. Can we pray more? Let's look at the Word of God. Do we know the Word of God? Are we consistent in the Word of God? Do we dedicate time to studying the Word of God as to other pursuits? We'll use Nathan as an example again, right? What did he say he's been doing these past few months now? He didn't just say, well, I do the same thing. He said, what? I started doing what? Memorizing verses in the Bible, right? That's a great, that's a great uh, achievement for anyone to say, right? To say you're going to spend more time in his word, knowing his word, uh, memorizing his word, making his word part of our heart, right? That's what we're supposed to be doing, to always be thinking about that. How can I make this change in my life and evaluate it? You know, I had the same problem again. Again, I'll be honest with you again. At the start of this thing, I looked at my life. I looked at my life and I said, I'm not doing the same Bible study I was before. Because before, what happened? Well, I always got to speak up here, right? So I'm constantly always reading and trying to get ready for the next message. I'm reading and reading, looking at the Bible, thinking about the Bible all the time. Now, Oh, the message becomes so infrequent, you get lazy, right? And I'm honest. I'll be honest with you guys. I'm lazy. I'm busy, right? I said I got a million things to do with my kids, my work, everything else under the sun. I get lazy, but we shouldn't be. 
So I dedicated myself once I realized I was getting lazy, and I said, I better start working on it. I talked to one of our folks here, Alan, right? He told me he's another crew, right? That he's not so busy now. And what did he say? He said, I want to start reading the Bible now. And he started downloading this Bible app with a little checklist. And he said, once I did this checklist, it helped me a lot. Now every day I'm trying to do the checklist and reading it. So what did I start to do? Well, I was inspired by him. I said, oh, you know, I'm going to get the Bible app. Now I do it on my phone, right? And I'm going to do the checklist. I have a little check mark next to it to say that I did it every day. I read the Bible, right? I'm going to check it off on my list. You've got to think about it in your life. What is it that's going to make you say, I want to learn more of the Bible, study more? check it off, right? Again, it's fundamental to know what his will is. If you want to be a growing Christian, you've got to know what he says in this book, right? If you don't know what he says in this book, you're lost, right? You're not knowing more and more. You're being ignorant. We don't do that. Finally, last point, we'll evaluate. And of course, there's a lot more things you can look at when we look at our lives, but I'm going to put these three most basic and fundamental things. Serving God, Right? Are you evaluating your life and saying, are you finding ways to serve God? Here's one of the biggest, biggest mistakes and biggest problems in the church today. People think this, that because there's a pandemic, I don't need to do anything, right? Oh, before I taught Chinese school, there's no Chinese school now, so I'm off. I'm excused, right? No, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible does not say you can stop serving God if there's a pandemic. Totally, 100% false, right? People lived through things like World War II. Guess what? They had to serve God, even though people are getting blown up in, in the bits, right? That never ends. There's never an excuse to not serve God. Are we living the life of cross, the Christ, even during the pandemic? Finding ways to serve. Yes, you might not be able to serve your normal way. You might not be able to say, I'm teaching Chinese school this week. But are you sharing the word of God with other people? Maybe it's even in your own house. Like for me, part of it is with my own kids, right? Am I serving my kids, making sure they're knowing about the Word of God, right? Maybe that's something that you need to focus on too. Maybe it's with your own family, right? Maybe it is with other people to share things even online, sharing this even uh, video stream that we have online. Why does Melvin still give the salvation prayer during these video messages? It's not because all of you guys haven't heard it a million times already. It's because, believe it or not, I look at the statistics and there are people watching this video right now that don't even live in the state of California. There's statistics. I can see them. There's people all over the world listening to this message right now. Are we sharing that message? We can still communicate with other people. We can still outreach other people. Did you know that people through the outreach of this church, even during this time, this pandemic, have gotten saved. It might not be as publicized as we used to, right? But some of you guys know for some of the children, there's the online Sunday school. Did you know there's new people showing up to that? People are still getting saved. People are still getting outreach to. You got to think about your life. How can I, even during this pandemic, do something, do something for God, to spread his word somehow, to do something whatever it is, even if it's in my own family, right? Even if it's just whatever it can be for God, sharing something online, on social media, whatever, with friends and family, do it. Do it. There's no excuse not to. There's no excuse not to, right? And maybe what we need to do 
is to fight the pandemic. Maybe that's our service, right? Are we praying for the end of this, right? Are we praying for a vaccine? Are we praying for uh, the virus to go away? Are we doing everything we can to wear masks and, uh, and stop the spread, right? To avoid big gatherings and all these things. To end it so that we can get back to getting souls saved the way we normally do. Now, I was thinking about this, and I once again, I'll talk about my own bad life. Think about how I've been serving God less over these past months. And I said, you know what? That's got to stop. I got to do more. I got to be here serving God and sharing his message. And I'm going to start one more thing for everybody. Starting this week, I'm starting my own Bible study group. If you guys want to join, just let me know. Friday night at 8 o'clock. This is not a church event or anything. We don't need it. We can study the Bible on our own. We can share the message of God on our own because we have to. We have to be doing more not less. Folks, if you want to study the Bible with me, just drop me a line. Let me know. We'll meet online uh, every other Friday to look into the Word of God, and I want to encourage you guys to do it. It can never be wrong to study the Bible more, right? So I want to serve more. If you want to be a speaker, right? Some of you guys were used to be speakers, right? You spoke during the, the little, the, the kid Sunday school, middle Sunday school, doesn't exist anymore. Hey, you want to get back to serving God? Let me know. I will let you speak at this Bible study. You can get back to serving God. You can't just sit on your hands and say, oh, there's a pandemic. I do nothing now, right? No, no, no. We're going to say, we're going to keep on serving. This is one of the fundamental things we have as Christians, to keep on working for God no matter what. We'll wrap it up here with the quote. Quotes this, while we rarely change our stated priorities, seasons of growth lead us to re-examine our actual priorities. Right? That's the quote here. Right? We always say this. No one here is going to deny this. You're all going to say, yes, reading the Bible is good. Yes, praying is good. Yes, uh, serving God is good. You guys will say that. That's your stated priority. But if you want to be a growing Christian, a changing Christian, you've got to examine your life today and say, hey, are my actual priorities in line with that? Am I actually doing those things? Am I actually growing and changing and being a Christian that does these things? I hope the answer, I hope the answer that all of you guys have when you finish up this message today and go home and reflect on your life, the answer is yes. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your word here. We Christians must be new creatures, right? New creatures. Old things are passed away. Help us to be new creatures, God. Help us to know your word that as we live our lives, that more and more and more we grow as Christians, that we can say in our lives that we're trying to do everything we can, no matter what situation, pandemic or no to say that we are with you, God, and we are doing your will, God. God, we ask you to help us with this. Watch over us. Bless us the rest of this week. Lord, give us relief from this horrible pandemic that hopefully it will become easier and easier for us to do those things which we know are right. Watch this congregation, wherever we are, that you'll bless us throughout this week. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.